is a god of the game. Welcome everyone to Sports Chacha. For all the hype we gave for La Liga's two biggest games of the season, it was a 15-minute VAR decision that had more drama than 180 minutes of football. Can Atleti do it, or they still have some bottling left in them? Talking about bottling, Man City's victory champagne has to stay in the eyes for a little longer. Is Maguire's injury a big concern for Manchester United? Are Leicester going to well bottle it to allow Liverpool to sneak in? Bundesliga wrapped up, Milan demolishing Juventus, and I know, guys, how can we miss PSG when we are talking about bottlers? Let's go. Hey everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening wherever you are listening to this. This is Tuesday the 11th May 10:15 a.m. A lot of things happened during the weekend across all the leagues in Europe, but there is only one place to start, that is the La Liga. We expected a lot of twists and turns to happen during the weekend. Well, there was a lot of drama obviously, but the table remains as it is both the big games barca atleti and real madrid sevilla ended in a draw but we'll start with the game that had a lot of talking points lot of controversies and lots of drama which is the real madrid sevilla game so ishan did sevilla deserve a draw or you think real were robbed of two points we were robbed it was a bank robbery man <laughs> I'm still bloody pissed off with that. Meaning, I think so. Sevilla played well. There's no doubt about it. But we deserved the three points definitely. Uh, in the first half, uh, Benzema's header, which got disallowed, uh, it was a very dubious offside call uh, that got disallowed. And then, meaning, we've all seen what happened with the penalty. Uh, Benzema was through on goal on a counter attack from a, resulting from a Sevilla corner. and he was brought down by the keeper which was a clear red card and i don't i when i looked at the highlights i didn't even see too many sevilla uh, players appealing for the f- apparent foul that took place in the penalty box in uh, real madrid side but you know when the referee went to check the var on the screen uh, instead of figuring if the goalkeeper deserved a red card or a yellow he went to back to the corner kick and found that militao had hand, handled the ball and if you see the highlight it is very 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 dubious and that could have and that resulted in a severe penalty which rakitic duly scored you don't expect him to miss penalties and meaning that could have changed the entire season for us that would have been the end for us it would have brought severe back in the title race but as luck would have it in the 93rd minute toni cruz hits a rocket of a long distance long range shot which ironically hits Eden Hazard of all players heels I don't think he knew very much about it but it was just destiny I guess I probably saved his career I don't know uh, it is heel and it went in and so as you said it was a dead rubber not the ideal result both teams wanted but I think in the larger scheme of things I think they would have both taken it because of the magnitude of the game and there's still games to play I saw the highlights and especially i saw that incident that led to the penalty but to be very honest i thought it wasn't that bad a decision because i could i was listening to the referee's justification of that decision so his point was militao's arms were outstretched so the ball clearly touched his arms inside the penalty box and that's why he gave the penalty see again debatable you can see it from both ends we can argue about it forever but it is what it is but apart from that penalty did you see real create a lot of chance or is that the same issues that they had over a period of time which is too much dependence on benzema to to create a chance or to even score a goal it was a better performance uh, than the one they had at chelsea but anything can be better than that performance uh, i think you saw a little more attacking flair just due to the fact that sevilla is an attacking team so there were a lot of open spaces for real madrid to exploit but it's still like it all goes down to benzema at the end right if benzema can convert whatever one or two chances that he gets that's the difference maker for a madrid side you saw asensio coming on in the second half and with his first touch he scored and that was an open play what a brilliant finish what a brilliant finish like although i would have said that the keeper should have done better because he was beaten on the near post we all know that keeper idly should not be beaten on the near post but it was a great finish but i think it's 
it's it was a good performance it was a solid performance you don't see sevilla having too many clear cut chances which is great so our defense going back to uh, militao nacho defense is proving to be far more solid than you know a uh, one time ramos appearance in the middle of nowhere but again we have a lot of issues that we need to change, like fix uh, vinicius for example he blows hot and cold so often and his finishing is just appalling he had a clear open goal chance in the second half which he just somehow managed to miss and we can see that in on the other player real madrid player they have that little bit of a frustration when it comes to vinicius and his finishing because he does all the hard work but the simple things he cannot do uh similarly marcelo meaning he's been a great servant to our club but i think time's up for him and i think it's just because zidane's there and zidane loves him he's getting playing time also i believe mondi was injured otherwise i don't think marcelo starting the game yeah mondi has been injured and then the our biggest player most important player in these in this season lucas vasquez has been is out for the season exactly otherwise he would have put in you know he can be put in anywhere and he would have played in that role but yeah we have to make do with what we have and we're still in the race which is a good thing but i think atletico has been given a lifeline you know they survived the barca result which we'll talk about right now and madrid didn't capitalize on that opportunity let's let's get into the barca atletico game so we saw i mean i saw the game i couldn't watch the entire 90 minutes i saw in bits and to be very honest i was bored i was actually bored there was nothing in the game it was really boring both the teams lacked a lot of incision in the final third they were creating chances both the teams were creating chances but i couldn't see anyone on the field able to finish those chances there was one glorious chance for dembele which he missed i'm not, I'm not going to blame dembele for this draw because he was just there in the field for what 20 25 minutes and he got the great chance he should have converted but he missed it but other than that griezmann was flat messi tried his best you could have scored a great free kick but again credit to oblak and credit to even terstegen both the goalkeepers were actually pretty brilliant not something surprising we have seen these two goalkeepers performing really well over a period of time but again it was a very boring game not a great game to watch and an ideal result for atleti and it was an ideal result for real until their game also ended in a draw yeah i i was frankly very pretty disappointed with how barcelona played in the game this was a clear cut chance for them to revive their season make something for it like show they they didn't have anything to show this season right and this was a chance they had their squad they were in form they should have taken the attack to atletico madrid which they didn't in the first half partly because i think they were a little surprised with how atletico lined up they i think expected atletico like always to basically keep the pressure hold the pressure and attack on the counter but from the starting whistle atletico craft had the held the game by the scruff of the neck and attacked barcelona i think that what shook them a little pedri had a very disappointing game in midfield normally when pedri and dihong have good games barcelona are more potent in attack i think the big turning point was busquets getting injured and substituted because then what that meant was that everyone had to fall back a little and be a little more defensive because he is the last man before defense the one standout player i think don't not too many people talk about in barcelona is araujo he's been putting up stellar performances in defense he's probably the future for barcelona but i i think both teams lacked that edge this could have been you know this is a season decider as we had all hyped it up in our last podcast both of us yeah i think we were more excited than the 22 players playing that game so that's unfortunate we expected a great game but yeah draw is a draw did araho start i thought mingeza i thought longley pk and mingeza started i think araho came in as a substitute as you said uh, he has been putting up great performances and the exact point that you brought up busquets injury because that kind of put dion uh, further deep yeah. which increase the gap between him and messi so messi has to drop back so actually yeah that that made barca less potent in their attack anyway a great opportunity dropped but as you said it is advantage atleti now hopefully they won't screw it up they still have what three games now Yeah and but they have a tough game coming up midweek uh, with Real Sociedad and that's never going to be easy. Oh, a potential banana skin. Yes, Atletico Madrid this season have only been looking at banana plantations. <laughs> so that will be a quite an important game 
because especially because nobody's talking about it and that's where sociedad are really good at yeah the moment nobody talks about their game they pull up an upset so i'm interested to see what happens there's probably be a more attacking game because sociedad is a very beautiful to watch football team i'm looking forward to atletico slipping up there and giving real madrid a yet another chance it's like destiny has said real madrid title le le par real madrid like nahi nahi chahiye mujhe nahi it's like everyone's passing the ball to each other yeah so real has three games they have two away games in fact the next two games are away games against granada and against athletic club and the final game is against villarreal but i don't think villarreal will take that game seriously with an europa league final immediately there so i don't think they'll take that game pretty seriously the tricky game i would say is the away game against athletic club but i don't think real should have any problem getting over that barca have one away game which is against levante which is tonight 130 or tomorrow technically and then they have a game against celta vigo celta vigo again have always been a party pooper for barcelona iago aspas will come up with this best game <laughs> always against barca yeah. and then the final game is against ibar now ibar is against fighting for their lives they are in that relegation fight and they have been in good form over the last two three games so didn't ibar beat barcelona in the first round uh, first cycle i question. think they did uh, no i think it was a draw it was a draw got it so again three very interesting games to look out for and i i don't think the drama is over yet there's going to be more twists and turns so hopefully it lives up to its expectation so in epl we also thought that man city will wrap up the league unfortunately they have to wait for one more week so do you think this result against chelsea has got any bearing for the champions league final i doubt it man because like if you see city squad they made nine changes but chelsea also made five changes so they were all playing uh, not their strongest 11 and if you see the game it was pretty as, as we expected pretty dull and the game could have turned if aguero had not done what he did i think it i don't think it has any bearing because you're going to see a very different city in the champions league final but you might not see a very different chelsea so what chelsea did was play the chelsea way although with different players and throughout the game we saw it saw city struggle quite a bit to break down that city defense so it'll be interesting now if you know chelsea bolster their squad with their strongest 11 can city break that squad down again the only negative point for chelsea in that game was uh, christensen's injury and it looked pretty bad yeah uh, it, he might not uh, play the play the season again so that's a big big blow for uh, chelsea but apart from that they were pretty solid and as you rightly pointed out aguero chose a really wrong moment to try that panenka i mean no offense to aguero he has been a absolute legend like if you see the goal he scored against crystal palace the previous week i mean a guy who can do that kind of things on the field it was pretty disappointing to see him try that panenka and failing miserably while doing it and also city had a controversial penalty not given so as you rightly pointed out city even though after making nine changes from the game uh, from the 11 starting 11 that uh, played against psg in the champions league they could have still won the game actually if not for that penalty miss and for that poor penalty decision but anyways credit to chelsea credit to tuchel he continues to impress me now this is where i have a question i mean again uh, apologies advance apologies to manchester united fans i'm not trying to piss you off but chelsea took that decision to sack their club legend yeah for a better manager and when immediately when he was available tuchel was fired uh, by psg and within what two weeks three weeks yeah. he started his job in chelsea lampard was fired and he started in chelsea and look at where they are right now they are in a champions league final and they are in the top four race also pretty much in the top four race they have lost only one or two games they have beaten city twice they have beaten Tuchel has beaten beaten Klopp. He has beaten Simeone. He has beaten Zidane. He has beaten Ancelotti. I mean, all big managers. Now, my question is, and actually, this was the first first goal he's conceded against the top managers this season. 
Uh, second goal, I would say you did concede that one goal against Zidane. Sorry, against yeah. Real Madrid against Zidane. But yeah, I get your point. Even though it's still just two goals conceded in what eight yeah. matches, nine matches against it's these incredible. top teams, that is an incredible record. Now coming back to Manchester United, is Ole going to be the one who's going to take them to the title? I don't think so. He's a good manager. Credit to Manchester United. They did brilliantly against Aston Villa. This is their tenth win in this season uh, after conceding a goal, yeah. which is a record in itself. Amazing performance. I mean, all their star players are playing really well. Cavani. I mean, it is Cavani. There is nothing new to talk about. Cavani is such a royalty of a footballer, and he has also actually extended his contract. I just saw the news. Mason Greenwood proving to be a great talent. He is. uh the highest scoring teenager for manchester united he is just uh, beaten wayne rooney's record and then you have someone like bruno fernandes spoke by all playing really well but i still don't think they will start as an obvious favorites next season under ole so my point is why can't manchester united be a little bit more ruthless i understand ole is a is a club legend he is a an extremely likable person also and he has done a great job this season again not taking anything away from him but i still don't think he is the right guy to take them to a league win yes he can challenge he can probably be in a top 4 race but i don't think he will go as close as winning the league yeah, i i agree with you and i would have i mean absolutely agreed with you in the middle of the season but what do, what has ole done wrong since the turn of the year right is mathematically manchester united can still win the league if city slip up and however unlikely they're still in the race the second they've had a solid season they could be european champions they could win the europa league so he's adding to the trophy camp cabinet while i understand can he do that extra bit to win them the you know the premiership uh, i don't think so but you know if you look at how lampard went lampard went when chelsea were really couldn't did not know how to do they didn't they couldn't grind out results they were win, losing the or drawing the easy game that they were supposed to win and the season could have been very different from them in terms of the premier league standings and so i understood where that came from but when you look at ole's performances currently united have no reason to let him go however you know it's going to be you're going to have a full strength liverpool next season city are going to be stronger chelsea are going to be stronger uh, it's going to be tougher next season than this season because you saw a lot of big clubs slipping up that could be one excuse right uh, united did well because the big other big clubs didn't do so well but the proof is in the pudding right now for all the united fans and as well as the united board you currently have no reason to let him go i agree uh, also you know i would have said that you know julian nagelsman would have been a great option for manchester united uh, but he went to bayern i'm not i'm pretty upset with that decision by the way uh, but we'll get to that later but currently if you look at it from the united culture which manager is available right now that can do, you know join united and maintain that swashbuckling or whatever go back to that swashbuckling attacking football mm. my point is even if someone's available as you rightly pointed out yes there is there could be a reason to appoint a new manager but there is no solid reason to fire ole at this point of time so i believe they will probably stick uh, stick with him maybe for one more season and see how the next season goes and take a decision based on that yeah just one point i want to add is how immense edinson cavani has been for manchester united this season i could just picture him what if real madrid had gotten him when they had the chance a year ago uh when he was deciding which player which team to join after psg uh you know we would have been a completely different team uh with cavani in the team, in the squad and we would have got him on the cheap right but this guy has shown that passion he actually brought the entire team up to a higher level because of how good he is the passion he brings on the pitch every goal he scored scores is this you know his celebration brings that passion that you know not many players had before that so i think it's great it's a big big signing for real uh, for manchester united to renew him for one more year so i just wanted to give a big props to cavani 
Yeah, very smart signing and actually yeah united have made a lot of dutch signings over the last 4 5 seasons but over the last two seasons they have actually done pretty well uh, starting from harry maguire it reminded me of the hendrik larsen signing during ferguson's time for just one season and hendrik larsen turned the season around even even van persie for that matter yeah even robin van persie that one season they signed him he ended up being the top goal scorer now the uh, we're talking about uh, united smart signings like you have ari maguire you had aran van bissaka aran van bissaka okay the jury is still out but harry maguire bruno fernandes probably the one of the best midfielders in the world right yeah. now and then you have edinson cavani he is a complete number 9 probably uh, well i would i wouldn't compare him with lewandowski again we'll talk about lewandowski soon his understanding of space within the box he makes it look so simple he always finds that space between defenders and he scores some spectacular goals his first touch finish is amazing now united have two big games one is against leicester and one is against liverpool actually let me take that big game out of that statement it is not big for united actually in terms of the league standing because they have already confirmed their champions league status for next season they have qualified for champions league now it's a big game for leicester and it's a massive game for liverpool the big problem for united right now is harry maguire could miss the rest of the season because of that ankle injury just a simple stat how important harry maguire has been for united he has played every single minute of the previous 71 games for manchester united ever since he signed 71 games every single minute he has never been sub wow that's incredible that's how important harry maguire has been so it will be interesting to see how eric bai and victor lindelof cope up with manchester united's defense for the rest of the season it actually also puts villarreal slightly it gives villarreal some extra points in being favorites for the finals still manchester united are clear favorites but it just brings the percentage a little bit so it will be a, it balances a little now talking about leicester are we seeing one more brendan rodgers slip up oh good point yeah meaning the result they had over the weekend was not expected it was not in the script but i mean i still feel that they can do it but yeah the match against united is going to be pivotal and they've pretty in the past done pretty well against man united i feel see i think city slipping up gave united a lot of motivation even though however unlikely as i said but if you saw the tweets from all the united players after the game they were really pumped up right they were they were really in for the battle and that might go against leicester right now because if say for example city had already wrapped up the league you might have seen a united that might rest their players because they might you know focus on the uh, europa league but that's not the case anymore the one other point i think uh, we should mention is that because of the liverpool game being uh, canned because of the protest united are playing three games in five days yeah fatigue is a fact right it's not a it's not something that people talk talk about but like there will definitely be signs of fatigue in the united squad they will have to switch it up that's where my point is see now united have about what four five games uh, for the rest of the season and by far there is only one game they are worried about as i said their champions league status is confirmed so it doesn't matter if they lose all the remaining league games there is only one game that they are worried about which is the europa league finals and they already have a major player injured yeah so will they take the chance with someone like a bruno fernandes or a pogba or even a cavani for that matter or will they play their uh, fringe team now talking about united's bench they still have players like donny van der beek Oh, he still plays for United Award. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> so yeah, so the point is they can still make up. But I believe against Leicester they will field a much weaker team. Uh, but against Liverpool they'll probably field a slightly stronger team. They'll be chopping, chopping and changes. Uh, but their focus will mostly be on the Europa League finals. and to keep these players as fit and as safe as possible for that game rather than uh, risking their uh, fitness for these games anyway i think this will be a true test 
for Ole in terms of him as a manager because this is where tactics and strategy will come into play, right? Uh, balancing out priorities, but also you, he cannot forget he's Manchester United, right? What is a weak squad if you're Manchester United? You cannot field weak squads, right? Like we know when Real Madrid, Barcelona field weak squads, the media just ruins us. Same with same goes with Manchester United. Meaning, I'll see, I can I I predict some changes, but you're not going to expect all those changes in one game. They'll happen across the games. Uh, there will be changes in the Liverpool game. There will be changes in the Leicester game, but not all of them will miss together, because it's very important for the optics to look right for United next season for, you know, whatever big transfers they're looking at, whatever the future holds uh, next season in the transfer window, as well as the uh, success in the league. It, it's very important for the fans right now, especially who are a little precarious in their mood, to, it, to show that, you know, they are in for all the titles, however unlikely. There might be changes, but I don't see too many, too many changes. Just one quick update on the Manchester United fans' side. Their uh, kit sponsor, I think that's it's Hut Group, I believe. They have uh, backed off uh, from their sponsorship deal. It was a 200 million sponsorship for 10 years, I believe. Especially because of the fans' protest. So, yeah, maybe United's fans' protest actually did create a certain noise. Uh, maybe Glazers will listen. Anyways... Moving on to other news in EPL, West Brom relegated. Big Sam Allardyce finally got relegated uh, in Premier League. And the irony of Sam Allardyce getting relegated is when he was uh, appointed West Brom's manager, he gave a press conference at that point of time when Arsenal was also struggling. He mentioned that Arsenal is also... A relegation team they are also fighting for relegation and it's just irony that they got relegated after a defeat against Arsenal how these stories align and you also know Sheffield United already being relegated and just yesterday night Fulham also got relegated so we have all the relegations taken care of so we have about 8 to 10 teams in the league right now who have absolutely nothing to play for and Liverpool have 3 of their remaining 4 games against such teams so that's West Brom, Crystal Palace, and uh, I believe, I don't know which other team. So some other team. Just before we end our Premier League talk, I want to ask you a question. Which team, according to you, has been the biggest disappointment in terms of the potential they showed uh, showed early on and where they are right now? Early on in the sense, early on in the season and where they are right now. Yeah. Okay, I would probably say Liverpool, definitely. They showed a lot of potential early on. That is one. Tottenham, definitely. I thought they will definitely finish at least in top four. They were they were on top of the league at some point. In fact, there are many teams. Southampton uh, showed a lot of promise initially. They fell down. The biggest... I would, Forgetting Everton. Uh, Everton, that's what. I'm coming to Everton. There is Aston Villa. There are a lot of teams who did pretty well. But yeah, if I have to pinpoint one team, I would probably pick Tottenham. Because Liverpool, Everton, all the other teams had their injury problems. But Tottenham scored it a big time. A couple of uh, other quick news that Norwich and uh, Watford got promoted to Premier League. Those two teams were relegated last season, so they are back for the next season. And Bournemouth could also get promoted. They are in the playoffs. So this could probably be the first time ever where all the three teams that got relegated got back to Premier League in the next season. Let's see what happens. But this is what Premier League money does, Bala. Right? <laughs> That's true. Uh, the If you're in the Premier League, the money you get and then you somehow get relegated, you can still withstand or you know maintain the squad you had in the Premier League to come back up again. So you're not going to see times, you know, if you've seen the last five, six years, a lot of clubs who got relegated, have, at least in the next two or season or two, they've come back. But you're not seeing fairy tale stories as much as you used to, where you know unlikely teams are coming back in the Premier League. Well, there have been some stories. I mean, like there have been. You have at least one team coming up. You have these Sheffield Uniteds. You had Leeds United coming up, and even this season in Championship, there is. Uh, so apart from Bournemouth, you have Swansea, and then you have Brentford and Barnsley. So Brentford has been uh, a great story so far. So we'll see what happens there. And just to cover one more news, Chelsea 
this women's team have won the WSL and they are in line for the quadruple. In fact, they are also playing the Champions League finals. Chelsea's both men's team and women's team are in the Champions League final. The women's team are playing Barcelona, right? Yes, the Barcelona women's team. Who Barcelona women's team who also won their league. I think this is the after many years I'm not seeing Lyon in a women's Champions League final. Yeah, yeah. That was the biggest story. Lyon not playing in the Champions League final. So, we'll see what happens there. Serie A, Inter being champions, they suddenly have this great freedom to play. After winning a series of 1-0 games, they go and smash Sampdoria 5-1. Alexis Sanchez scoring two goals. Some players who I haven't even seen in their starting eleven, they come in and they score goals. They were just enjoying. It was a great game. And they were playing against Sampdoria, who was coached by Claudio Ranieri, who gave guard of honour for Inter. And he said he felt really good when Chelsea gave them a guard of honour for Leicester. So he told his players to do that for Inter. It was a great gesture. And Inter played really well. But the story, the news, the main game of this weekend was Juventus versus Milan. Oh man, what a humiliation. I don't, I'm, I know you were watching the Real Madrid-Sevilla game. I was actually watching the Juve-Milan game. Oh, Milan absolutely dominated the game all in all the three fronts. And Ronaldo had one of its one of his poorest games. He was nowhere to be seen. It was totally. But is that Ronaldo's fault or the, he basically didn't touch the ball or not given the ball in the first half? I was seeing the highlight. He did receive the ball, uh, but I mean, I agree it wasn't totally Ronaldo's fault, but it wasn't. I mean, according to Ronaldo's standards, it wasn't his best game, I would say. Yeah. But apart from that, Milan had a spectacular game. Their, two of their best midfielders were back playing for them, Kessi and Ismail Benasser. And in fact, Milan missed the penalty. It was it was 1-0. Milan got a penalty. Kessi stepped up and it was an awful penalty. And when that penalty was saved, I thought, okay, here we go. UA has a chance now. Yeah. Let's see how they can come back in this game. But again, UA fell very flat. Two amazing goals. Did you see the goals? Yeah. Brian Diaz, curler. Although Chesney could have done better there. His positioning was awful in that. But all the I think all the goals that they scored, uh, even the the Tamori goal, he completely destroyed Kialini on the header on the in the when the corner happened. And meaning I think Kudos to AC Milan for putting up a great game. It's actually their first win ever at the Alliance Stadium. Juventus were an absolute disgrace in terms of how they performed, right? Like, there was nothing from them. Their strat- their tactics were all wrong. A lot of the blame goes to Perlo. And I think uh, yesterday he came out with a comment saying this was not the, this was not the plan I had in mind uh, when I used to, you know, build strategies when I came into Juventus and this is not the right set of players. Probably a really cheap thing to say right now. Yes, he had no experience as a manager. So I want you, I'm asking you a question. How much does the blame goes to Agnelli and the Juventus board to appointing such an inexperienced manager just because he's a legend and that's the trend right now? Majority of the blame. I would say about 70 to 80% blame goes to them only. See, again, this is something that we discussed, I think, one or two episodes back. See, you give you give Pirlo the job, you ask him to execute his vision, his strategy, whatever. But if you don't give him the team, if you don't give him the players to execute that strategy, how is he going to do? Now, you have to give him time. Not finishing in top four is a major setback for Juventus. I'm not sure how they are going to react to this. We'll have to wait and see. But this blame has to go to the UA board, obviously. And uh, some responsibility needs to be taken by the players also because the coach can give strategy, the board can recruit players, but at the end of the day, the players have to go to the field and perform. I couldn't see a lot of that on the field. How many times you have seen someone getting on top of Chiellini and a header? I mean, that's, that's a rarity. And Tomori was just doing it as if he's doing against an amateur defender. Uh, credit to Tomori, but then UA's players weren't 
weren't really great. So you are going to see a lot of changes in the UA team also this season. It will be interesting. On the other news, Napoli won their game and Atlanta have won their game. So as it stands right now, Inter champions, Atlanta number two, Napoli number three and Milan number four. So Juve still have a game against Inter Milan. So it will be great to see Inter beating Juve and kicking them out of the top four. Do you think Juventus will give Inter a guard of honour? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> They have so much spite, man. I don't think that's going to happen. But Polo was an ex-Inter player. Well, in Italy, everyone has pretty much played for AC, Inter and UA Aage Piche. So, it's always... Like in this case, for example, Stefano Pioli was an ex-Juventus player coaching Milan. And uh, Pirlo was an ex-Milan player coaching Juventus. So, in, in Italy, it happens all the time. So, talking about winning leagues... Bayern has won the league, Bundesliga, again without even having to play the game because Dortmund finally woke up and realized that they are going to lose Haaland if they don't finish in top four and played a spectacular game against Leipzig. It was probably the game of the weekend. It ended 3-2. Jadon Sancho, playing one of his best games of the season, scored two goals and scored the winning goal, the all-crucial winning goal. And... To add to the point that Haaland wasn't playing this game, he was injured, he was sitting in the stands. It was a brilliant game, crucial win, Dortmund is back in top 4 right now, which means Haaland could stay in Dortmund next season and which also meant Bayern won the Bundesliga even if even before they played the game against Borussia Mönchengladbach, which they won 6-0, uh, small things. <laughs> Lewandowski scored a hat-trick again and he scored 39 goals. 39 goals in a season where they play only 34 games and they still have, what, two games to play? And he missed quite a lot in the last month. Yeah, he missed, I think, 3-4 games due to injury. And he's one goal away from equaling Gerd Muller's record of 40 goals, which I believe he is going to do pretty easily. Just to give the magnitude of this achievement... I think there is only one player who has scored more than 40 goals in a 38 games or a less uh, season, which is, I think, Messi. He did in the 2011-12 season. And I think Ronaldo did once. He did it under Mourinho, I remember. Ha. So, it was only Messi and Ronaldo. They did it. And that too, in a, in a league where they play 38 games. Yeah. In Bundesliga, they play only 34 games. This guy is, is a freak of nature. I think he will... Go down as one of the greatest ever center forwards to play the game. The sad part is that he he's playing in a generation or in an era which has Messi and Ronaldo. So not too many people will write too many stories about him. But at least both of us <clears throat> have noticed him. And he is definitely, I mean, what a player in terms of, he can do everything. He can head the ball. He can finish with both feet. He can score long ranges, bicycle kicks, scissor kicks. He's done it all. And literally, he's made hat-tricks look like a piece of cake. The, with the ease at which he scores goals, it's just unbelievable. Yes, his time at Bayern Munich is also the strongest Bayern Munich teams you've seen in many decades. You know, with the Robin and Reberry era, even right now, when they're just too strong for the Bundesliga. So those have played to his advantage, but you still have to put the ball in the back of the net. And he's done that too many times. Yeah. And 39 goals is, is a tremendous achievement. No matter how strong your team is, still a player scoring 39-40 goals in a season is a ridiculous achievement. And the one thing I noticed, Dortmund defeated a team who's being coached by a future Bayern Munich manager. And then immediately next game, Bayern defeated a team coached by future Dortmund manager. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's Bundesliga. Incest. Talking about interesting leagues, League A is also getting a little interesting. Well, interesting for people who want to see some other name other than PSG on top of the league. Lille have a clear lead right now. Because PSG slipped up against Run. They had a 1-1 draw. Again, I didn't watch the game. I just saw the highlights. 
it seems to be an extremely poor game will pochettino stay or will they fire him no 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 he is definitely staying uh, meaning he came almost midway through the season he got the big result against barcelona which was meaning which showed really well on his resume but they will definitely give him another season but we might see a very different psg next season we know that neymar has renewed his contract but what does that mean for mbappe will he renew it can they afford him afford to renew an mbappe and a neymar as well all those things will play an important factor in how well pochettino does next season right because if you go beyond their forward line icardi neymar mbappe di maria their midfield is all right it's not the greatest in europe definitely they made some dubious calls like renewing draxler's contract who barely plays so a lot of interesting moves acha draxler has renewed i saw he was going to yeah i saw fabrizio romano's tweet yesterday draxler has been offered a renewal so that's a little strange oh okay uh, they've got adrisa gay there but not much else right okay they've not got a strong squad they've got great superstars as players and that's what i think that's why one of the reasons pochettino has come in to actually get some young players to become superstars like he did for spurs i think it's still they're going to give pochettino transitional time winning not winning the league if they don't i'm not counting them out is still not all pochettino's fault he's had horrible results let's be honest i agree uh, on horrible results since he's become manager manager of psg in the league he's lost quite a few games which they're not supposed to lose uh, but he'll still be given that time I feel agree losing the league is not entirely up to him they had a horrible start because the players were also tired they played champions league final so which went on till august or september i believe so yeah losing the league is not entirely up to him his victories against barcelona and bayern would have given him a lot of breathing space uh, would have given him a lot of leeway so hopefully we'll see pochettino next season yeah, also it's almost like lille is having a leicester type season right who would have thought lille would bring out such consistent results week after week winning games when it matters so you have to put that into context as well i think on a normal season this point this point tally would have been enough for psg to win the league yeah it's just that lille is having a spectacular season and might not be enough for psg remember renato sanchez the portuguese wonder kid yes Oh, he exists. He's a footballer. Dude, he plays for Lille. He has been one of their star performers this Remember season. Remember, he had a loan season at Swansea, yeah. <laughs> which nobody could believe. He was loaned from Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich is like, "Jao, Swansea, be jaake kill." <laughs> Bayern bought him after they won the Euros because he was one of their best players, and then couldn't didn't know what the he was the he was the best young player of that uh, tournament. Yeah, Na? and they didn't know what to do with him after he came to the squad. So then he went to Swansea. I couldn't believe that's what like a FIFA FIFA <laughs> thing when you get the best Messi signing up for like Bury FC. It's good good to see him realizing his potential. You know but Jose Font Fonte Jose Font the defender he's 37 yeah he's he's there in Lille he's having a great season. He was with And Southampton this, right? He was with West Ham was he with Southampton I don't yes, remember he, but he was definitely with He was okay. a partner with uh, Van Dijk at Southampton. Oh okay. And then this Turkish striker, this 37, 36 year old Turkish Turkish striker, Burak Ilmaz or something. I forgot his name. Yeah, he is also there. Good, good, good for Lille. Hazard will All be happy. Best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations to Lille. Hope they wrap up the league in time. Great. So we are done with all the football talks. Now it is time for our Who Am I section. and as i promised last episode we have two players this time yay the rules remain the same we have four clues i'll keep telling one clue each and i'll give 5 6 seconds in between and then you can guess whenever you know and then i'll move on it's 5 6 seconds dude i'm just giving you like a like a like a little bit of time to think if you can't answer uh. then i can move on to the next clue uh. all right let's go first player let's do it Okay this player clue number 1 I have played under Andres Villas-Boas Diego Simeone Mourinho and Louis van Gaal and I'm still playing I haven't retired yet Andres Villas-Boas Mourinho van Gaal Simeone and Simeone Okay So it has to be a united connection 
Okay, good point. Uh, it Vander as well as Boas can either be a Marseille connection or and Simeone is only one connection. <laughs> that's true. That's a that's a clue. That's a hint. Simeone being only one connection. Hmm. No, I need the next clue. Okay. In my injury-ridden career, I have played for clubs in Portugal, Spain, England, France, and currently I'm playing in Turkey. Currently, I'm playing in Turkey. What the hell? The only player who comes to mind in Turkey who broadcasted every day is Mesut Özil, but he's not the guy. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank, bro. This is a tough one. Okay, next clue. Hmm, ball. In the in the official 2012 FIFA World's Best Eleven, I was the only player who was not either from Real Madrid or Barcelona. That Best Eleven had five from Real Madrid, five from Barcelona, and this player was the only one who wasn't either from Real or Barcelona. 2012. Yeah. Who the hell is this guy? 2012. I'll give one more hint. At that time, he was playing with Atletico. At that time, he was playing with Atletico. Mm. Remember the player in 2011, 2012, 2013. That time in Atletico, who was in FIFA's world's best eleven. So he was definitely a brilliant, a wonderful player at that point of time. Is he a striker? Yes. What? This is really yeah. I'm drawing a blank. This Andreas Villas Boas is just putting me off. The last quiz, last clue. Shit, man. I'm disappointed in myself. Okay, the last clue. I was famously known as El Tigre, and I was Atletico's record signing until it was broken by Griezmann. El Tigre. Dude, El Tigre. Bro, you striker from Atletico Madrid, El Tigre. One of the best players in the 2012-2013 time. Orlan? No. Think, think. A South American player. Think. South American player, Atletico Madrid. Who has played for? Orlan is South American. Who has played for Manchester United under LVG? Wait, Falcao. Yes. Falcao. Yes. Wow. Thank God. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, Andres Villas Boas, kider? Porto. Oh shit! Yes, of course. So he's played for Porto. He's played for Atletico Madrid, Manchester United, Chelsea, Monaco, and now he's playing with Galatasaray. Ah, this Turkey thing. I didn't know he was playing in Turkey. That Turkey hint, thoda. Because Turkey, I only think of Ozil, man. <laughs> That 2012 team, I remember, man. I was like, are or. Put someone else from some other club, man. You know, you know who were the, who were all in that team. So it was Casillas in goal, was PK Ramos, Marcelo, Dani Alves, midfield was Xavi Alonso, Xavi, Iniesta, forward was Messi, Ronaldo, and Falcao. <laughs> <laughs> it was a season when Real won the league and Messi scored those incredible number of goals, and Spain won the Euros. So naturally, ah. it was all. Spanish, Spanish. Anyways, wow. that was a good one. That was a good. Who am I? All right, the next player. Hmm. First clue. My professional career lasted for 19 years, and I have played for 12 different clubs across eight countries, including China and India. Wow. Okay. That's the that's the that's the hint. That's the first clue. China and India is a slight oh, okay, hint. Okay. Okay. 19 years, 12 different clubs across eight countries, including China and India. I'm going to go in out on a limb. Uh, Del Piero? No. Let me go to the next clue. I was always a controversial figure. During the 2010 World Cup, I was banned from my international. Marco Materazzi. No, no, no. Let me finish the clue. I was always a controversial figure during hmm. the 2010 World Cup. I was banned from my international team for shouting at the coach, "Go dash yourself, you dirty son of a dash!" 
Think of 2010 World Cup controversy, player being banned. That should that should that should drill down your your team at least the national team at least. There was one which was apna uh, Ireland. Uh, no, Roy Keane got fucked off from the team because of that. Was it 2010 World Cup? I don't remember 2010 World Cup. 2010 World Cup. This was a big controversy. This made noise all over the place. Anelka? Yes. Woo! You got that right. It was Anelka. Yes. <laughs> My next clue was going to be I was one of the three Chelsea players to have won the Golden Boot award other than Drogba and Jimmy Floyd as a bank. And the last clue will be I missed the penalty in a Champions League final. And blame my coach for bringing him on to play as a late substitute. Good hint would have been. Did you know I actually played for Real Madrid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he actually he did play. <laughs> Dude, he's played for Liverpool. He's played for Chelsea. He's played for Manchester City. So he's probably one of those players who've played for three or four of those big clubs. He played for Juventus as well. Yeah, he played for Juventus as well. True. And he ended his career yeah. at Mumbai City FC. <laughs> Started from the top. Now here. <laughs> he, he's a football administrator now. Somewhere in France, I remember. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, he's he's running a club, sporting director or something like that. I still remember that great Chelsea team, man, with Anelka and Drogba. Yeah, they were brilliant. And bench me there, Dembaba. <laughs> yeah, true. They were a great, great team. All right, great. This was a good one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And guys, one important news from us: we are now live on Spotify. Yes. Please make sure you find us on Spotify. Search for Sports Charcha. That's Sports Space Charcha. And please subscribe, share, like, comment, all that good stuff. Thank you for listening, guys. Bye bye. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much, guys, for listening in. See you next week. If you enjoy what you heard, please share it with your fellow sports podcast listeners. And for more content, or even if you want us to discuss any other sports-related topics, do reach out to us on Twitter at Sports Charcha. And a big shout out to the Jam Room for our theme music. Please do follow them on Facebook at the rate the Jam Room Audio. Thank you, everyone. Bye bye. He is a god of the game.